0: Christ not only died for us but Christ went to heaven for us so said Christopher Love in the 1600s and I think he was right and it begs the question Therefore, why in the world don't we hear more about the Ascension of Jesus? Stay tuned to find out more as we learn more about this amazing reality known as the Ascension of the Lord Jesus Christ.
1: Welcome to The Pactum. I'm Mike Grimes with Pat Abendroth, and today is episode
0: 154, as Pat just mentioned, on The Ascension. And we don't have to shake the snow globe today, the Pactum snow globe, Mike, because Omaha, Nebraska... is the Pactum Snow Globe. We
1: are in the Pactum Snow Globe, living it out in real life. It
0: took us to get here, I had to pick I, Mike up in four wheel drive.
1: You did have to pick me and, up in four wheel uh,
0: drive. <laughs> we couldn't even see where the parking lot began or where it ended. We today.
1: took a wild guess. We got
0: it. We got it. We Just because it. we're committed to you, we're committed to making sure we get, you know, excellent podcasts out to you that's to right. edify and uh hopefully make you smile once in a while. Yeah. That's our goal, right? Today continues our series on the gospel. We're calling it Gospel Doctrines, where we're covering vital gospel doctrines, things that relate to that, which is of first importance. We've done an episode on the life, one on the death, one on the resurrection, and now it is going to be time for the
1: ascension. Ascension. That's right. So today on the episode, we're going to talk about the biblical support for the ascension, some theological arguments, reasons it maybe has been neglected, and motivation and assurance that the Ascension brings to us as Christians.
0: Absolutely. You should be, I hope, compelled to worship the Lord Jesus Christ because that's what they did in Bible times. That's right. You know what? We're still in Bible times. That's right.
1: (laughs) So we're going to get rolling because we've got a lot of stuff to cover in this episode. So the first thing we want to do is talk about how significant is the Ascension?
0: Well, Peter thought it was a pretty big deal. Read the book of read, read Acts one and two. I think he did, and yeah. uh, he pretty much is really into the ascension, thinking it's really important. I think Peter would weigh in and say it's a vital it's a vital gospel doctrine. I
1: think it is a vital uh-huh. gospel doctrine. Yeah. And
0: where did he learn that from? Obviously, he he learned it from Jesus because Jesus talked about it again and again, over and over, over and over. Yeah. John six sixty two. What if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where He was? Before John 14, 12, I am going. To the Father, John sixteen five. Now I am going to Him who sent me, John sixteen ten. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father, and you will see me no more. Sixteen twenty eight. I came from the Father and have come into the world, and now I am leaving the world and going to the Father. One more, just to name a few. John twenty <laughs> verse seventeen. Jesus said to Mary, "Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father." Hmm. So. Over and over and over again, we could have Dr. Luke weigh in, Luke chapter 24. Right, yeah. Uh, I think we already mentioned Peter, didn't we? Yeah. You yeah, yep. but Peter right at the beginning Acts one and two, yeah. Uh-huh. But in Peter's writings, yes. he says yeah. about Jesus uh, that he's gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God with angels, authorities, and powers, having been subjected to Him. Hmm. Paul didn't want to be left out either. Right. Ephesians four ten, He who descended is the one who ascended far above all heavens, that He might fill all things. Ephesians two six, and raised us up with Him, seated us with Him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. The New Testament is it's, just loaded yeah, with ascension of kind it. of text. Absolutely.
1: Also in the Old Testament, oh, there's some ascension we're, we'll See, we're, we're, not, we're not
0: Marcionites.
1: Right. We so think the Old
0: Testament is true also? It is,
1: yes. In the book of Daniel, uh, Daniel seven thirteen fourteen. 13, uh, I saw in the night visions and behold, with the clouds of heaven, there came one like a son of man and he came to the ancient of days. So coming to us from the heavens.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. And that text actually is talking about this ascension reality that has to do with the kingdom, right, has right. to do with his dominion as the seated ruling reigning one, uh, as you keep reading in Daniel 7. So it's amazing. And, yeah. and maybe, I don't want to say he's the greatest authority because the Lord Jesus Christ is the greatest authority and his apostles speak with equal authority. right? And yet there is someone in the Bible, in the Old Testament, that probably knows more about Christ and more about mm. Messiah and more about kings and more about dynasties uh, than David. David David in, in fact is for little shock value pactum listeners. David is the great Messiah. Hmm. Notice I didn't say the greatest Messiah. You didn't. <laughs> but if we want to use fancy, you know, lingo, we would say he's penultimately. The greatest Messiah, right? He's he's the great one who anticipates the greatest one. Hmm. And in Psalm one hundred and ten, verse one, also quoted in Mark chapter twelve, verse thirty-six, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I put your enemies under your feet. Hmm. Ah, it says right there in Mark twelve, David himself in the Holy Spirit declared that. Hmm. So, it is trans-testamental, as we like to say it now is, and yeah. then, and uh, it's a big deal, the Ascension is, and so we want to emphasize it. Uh, Beale in his book on union with Christ, says Christ's resurrection and Ascension, so going back to episode 153 where we talked about the resurrection, mm, yeah. Christ's resurrection and Ascension place him as the beginning of the eschatological fulfillment of the New Creational kingdom. Hmm. I think um, we talked a
1: little bit about that on our previous episode with the new creational kingdom talk.
0: Right? Absolutely. Yeah. It's a mouthful. We won't rehearse it all now. You can go check out that episode. But no doubt, even from the sound of how cool it sounds, yes, it's, right. a, it's a big deal. It is, a big deal. <laughs> it is unrivaled in significance. So, and even if we talk about the Pactum, and we don't mean right, the Pactum right, podcast, right. Yep. publishing, or conferences, we mean the Pactum Salutis, the Pactum, the covenant of redemption ultimately as a result of the pactum we have Christ as the or excuse me Jesus as the Christ the Messiah the seated ruling and reigning one which happens at the ascension yeah so the, the eternal decree the eternal purpose of god is what brings about the ascension of Christ where he rules and reigns and will forevermore as king of kings and lord of lords it doesn't get any better Than the ascension.
1: Awesome. So we mentioned the resurrection just a moment ago, uh, talking about that uh, Beale quote. Mm -hmm. Uh, What is the relationship, if there is one, between the resurrection and and the ascension.
0: So J. I, J. I. Packer says it's part two of the exaltation, and I, I could get behind that. Hmm. But having said that, I think maybe Beale does a better job and says, you know what? They're they're, they're distinct, but not separate. So mm-hmm. sure. no, I'm not trying to diss Packer, but no, right. sure. you know, as an aside, Mike, those of uh, for Packedham listeners' sake, J. I. Packer was br- brilliant yeah. and a very clear writer and very historically informed, and uh, I, I think the. The more I read from Packard, the more I appreciate him. There is the glitch on the screen. Uh, We're not going to throw the baby out with the bathwater, but he was one who was for the evangelicals and Catholics together, that Catholics are um, separated brethren and that sort of thing. And uh, it's bizarre because he... He himself believed the right thing about Mm. justification, and yet he thought that they could believe the wrong thing and still be Christians, which would be a rub in light of the book of Galatians. Yeah, right. So again, we're aware of that. So if you're, um, you know, like super uptight and all uh, (laughs) have a lot of pent up angst and you think, (laughs) why do they quote J.I. Packer? Don't they know he compromised on that? Yes, we do, but we can appreciate him for some of the other things. Sure. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> that book, concise theology, is actually quite quite helpful. It Just is, yeah. I've utilized like that. Less than two pages. I looked up ascension. Yeah, and I thought this this is pr- pretty helpful. Yeah, but helpful. let's go distinct, not separate. But Christ is exalted. His exaltation comes in in phase one, phase two, if you will. Sure, uh, part one, part two, if you like, Packer. Yeah. And and that's that's not just based upon Beale or Packer. Uh if we look at texts like Acts chapter two or Colossians three, we, we see why they would come to this conclusion. Uh in Acts chapter two, verse thirty-two, it says, This Jesus, God raised up, so there's resurrection, and of that we are all witnesses, verse thirty-three, being therefore exalted at the right hand of God. Hmm. So both are included in those texts two verses. Yeah. Colossians three also combines both of them. and uh, verse one, it says, if then you have been raised with Christ resurrection, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at mm. the right hand of God. Right. And so the two go together and what God has joined together let no man separate. <laughs> there, there's a whole lot more that could be said about it. We'll, yeah. we'll point you to Beal's book in the show notes. Uh, it really is quite the treasure trove when, when it comes to understanding these things. Yeah.
1: Now, it just struck me as we're talking about these things on the Ascension, we didn't begin by defining or talking about what exactly the Ascension is is it 's time so to press pause, dear listeners pause and and say, maybe you
0: could say how would you define the ascension what is the ascension and then come back and now we 're <laughs> back already, and what will we do? We will say the ascension of Jesus is his grand ascension, so it 's one thing to go from low to high no it is it is this grandiose, magnificent, extraordinary ascension to the prophesied ultimate messianic throne. It's the th- it's the throne of David, if you will, uh, the one mm. promised in the Davidic covenant that he would be the one who could come in the line of David. We're thinking Second Samuel chapter seven, I believe, who could rule and reign forever. Right, the yeah. ultimate Davidite, as one person said. Yeah,
1: Beale says about this at his ascension, what he was functionally during his earthly ministry, son of God, last Adam, messi- messianic king, filled by the Spirit, etc., was escalated.
0: That that's just that's good the, good theological work there, right? right? Because yeah. we don't want to say that he be that he became those things at the ascension. Yeah, right. He, he was those things, yes. And we see it in his earthly ministry, but it's all escalated. Escalated. Yeah, I like that a lot. I even like the image because escalators go up. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if he did that on purpose, or if we're just just that witty on a, I, on I do a like snow that. day. They off the escalator. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now think think with us about this. Listeners, if Jesus is the Christ, then he is the Messiah. Those are just mm-hmm. interchangeable, exact same concept, right. different languages. So if Jesus is the Christ, then he is the Messiah, the ultimate king, because that that's another synonym, Christ, Christ. Messiah, King. And if yep. he's the ultimate Christ, ultimate Messiah, then he's the ultimate king. Keep thinking with us. He was the Christ while on earth, but it was always with a view toward him finishing his work on earth Hmm. for his people and then ascending to his heavenly throne for his glory and, as we'll see later, to, to be on his throne again for his People, And this is something that the Old Testament has been anticipating, been waiting for. That's why Jesus will come in the line of David to fulfill what David couldn't fulfill, what Solomon couldn't fulfill, no other king could fulfill on behalf of his people those are Those are types and shadows, but the Old Testament has been waiting for the true for the ultimate Messiah king who will bring about ultimate deliverance yeah. uh, and this is said to come in the Old Testament again and again and again. We mentioned it last week in the latter days, right yeah, and it will be accomplished by someone greater than David, greater than Solomon. You get the idea, and it's someone who will conquer if they're true Messiah, true king, they'll conquer all of their people's enemies, and we know that the greatest enemy, the last enemy, the Bible says, is death. So he has to conquer death for his people, and he does. He's resurrected, and he's exalted because of his accomplishments. Hmm. So not only that, we learn from the Old Testament that this this Messiah, this ultimate king who would come in the latter days, uh, he would bring about his kingdom, which is used synonymously with, with new creation. Uh, and not only that, he would pour out his great spirit, his great new creation spirit, And so we, we know that when you see all this coming together, it's all coming together in the person of the Lord Jesus, who is the Messiah, Hmm. the exalted ascended one. And this comes up in Acts chapter two, and it is a treasure. Hmm. Acts chapter two is ascension par excellence. Amazing. If you are not driving. (laughs) <laughs> or right, right. you know operating heavy machinery or something like that you might want to just take a look at Acts chapter 2 if not look over at your device see where you are on the timer and come back to this with an open bible because we've got a few things to say about Acts chapter yeah, 2 that we think would be helpful yeah Acts chapter 2 the ascension text in Acts chapter 2 verse 16 it's Refers to Joel, the prophet. Remember, the prophets talk about the latter days, latter days, latter days. Of course, he uses Joel as an example. Peter does in his Pentecost sermon in verse 17. And in the last days, ah, we know what he's going to be talking about. Mm -hmm. It shall be, God declares that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. There we go. Eschatological, new creation, ultimate kingdom, ultimate Messiah. He's going to pour out his spirit. And it does say it again in verse 18, I will pour out my spirit and he's using Joel, but we could go to the book of Isaiah chapter 32, verse 15, that talks about this very same thing. Mm. Isaiah 44, verse three talks about this very same thing that one day the world won't be broken. One day Messiah will come and put everything in order. And it's tied to this great outpouring of his, or or it's related to the great outpouring of his spirit. And that's going to come from this great seated ruling and reigning King. It's awesome. Mm. Yeah, that's good. Acts Acts 2 goes on to say, and we're, we're building this argument for explaining what the ascension is. So in verse 23, it says, this Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. Verse 24 then says, God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. We talked about that last week. Verse 25, for David says concerning him, so think of, remember, David is the penultimate Messiah. He knows what he's talking about when it comes to messianic figures. Uh, and so Peter's drawing upon him because he knows his Jewish, Jewish audience will understand this. So he quotes Psalm 16. I saw the Lord always before me, for he is at my right hand That I may not be shaken. Verse 26 says, therefore, my heart was glad and my tongue rejoiced. My flesh also will dwell in hope. So resurrection hope for you will not abandon my soul to Hades or let your Holy One see corruption. David, David, the expert in the Davidic promise. He understands ultimate eschatological new creation, Messiah, King to come kind of stuff. And then verse 25, then verse 29. Brothers, I may say to you with confidence about the Patriarch David... This is what Peter says, Hmm. that he both died and was buried and his tomb is with us to this day, being therefore a prophet and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that he would set one of his descendants on his throne. Ah, Hmm. ascension, right? Mm -hmm. Verse 31 says, he foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of Jesus, that he was not abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. Again, back to Psalm 16, this Jesus God raised up. And of that we are all witnesses, being therefore exalted at the right hand of God, ascension talk, right? Mm-hmm. And having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, ah, just like Isaiah talks about, just like Joel talks about, he has poured out this that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. Mm. So we have the, the the last days outpouring of the Spirit tied to the Messianic kingdom, tied to the one who was ascended to the throne. I think we talked about a lot of that last week, but now a little bit of new ground for the culmination. It says in verse 34, for David did not ascend into heaven, Hmm. excuse excuse me, into the heavens. But he himself says, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, hmm. this Jesus whom you crucified. Hmm. Yeah, that's good. It is so good. It is rocking good to consider that Jesus is the one. Peter is connecting the dots. He's saying, you all know about David, and that's really good and right. important. Yep. He's a Messiah figure. Let me tell you, the ultimate Messiah has come, has lived, has died, has been raised from the dead. And not only that, he has ascended. And we know on good authority, he's ascended to the throne. David Mm. was talking about the very thing. This is that, if you will. Mm,
1: That's good. That's super good. Ascended, exalted, right hand of the Father, ruling and reigning Christ, the king. Yeah. He's
0: not waiting to become king one day. Right. Uh, he is the king. He is the king of kings and Lord of lords. He's the Messiah. Even if you think about it, mm. if, you, if you say Jesus Christ, every time you read Jesus Christ in the Bible, it's saying mm-hmm. Jesus Messiah. It's saying Jesus King, king. Jesus yeah. ultimate line of David, Jesus fulfills Davidic covenant. Man. Uh-huh.
1: Excellent. So good. Why don't good.
0: we, why don't we, why don't we hear more about this? Well, we'll, we'll, we'll answer that question we'll get later. there. Yep.
1: Well, let's um, think now for a minute, what other important realities, because we're talking about the resurrection and the connection of the resurrection to the ascension, but what other important realities are associated with? with
0: the Ascension. Mike, how long do you think our listeners have?
1: I think they have as much time as we need them to have. <laughs> well, they can push pause and come back. Yeah, okay. All or right. they can listen at 1.8 or 2 times speed. You know. Well,
0: according to John chapter 17, the glory of Christ is involved. And so what could be greater than that? John seventeen five, And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. Mm. He's looking forward to... Exaltation at the Ascension. Yeah, yep. We have the outpouring of the Spirit. That's related. We've already talked about that. Right. We have the believer's heavenly home. Hmm. John chapter fourteen verse two. Jesus does say, uh, "I go to prepare a place for you." Hmm. I'll just tell you right now I've got a lot of questions about that one uh, yeah, yeah. for further study but I know that John 14 2 is true it's true and it does say and it, that it does say that so he's going to leave to prepare a place for those who belong to him mm-hmm. uh, Hebrews chapter 6 verse 20 says Jesus has gone as a forerunner mm. on our behalf having become a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek mm. so he's, he's going on our behalf to yeah. go prepare a place for us Christopher Love again writing in the 1600 says Christ not only died for us, but Christ went to heaven for us. Hmm. That might oh, like that. be That's worth good. the whole episode. He not only died for us, he went to heaven for sure. us. Hmm. Uh, and I think love talks about how this, this should help us to not fear death as we would otherwise. Oh, sure, yeah. we, we know we'll not only be raised with Christ, we'll be in heaven and it's possible for human beings to go to heaven. Hmm. because Jesus, Jesus yeah. who is the god man the incarnate one went to heaven he's the forerunner hmm. talk about a little bit of mind of mind bending <laughs> yeah Whew. That's good. What else is associated with the ascension of Christ theologically? We would say that the heavenly high priestly ministry of Jesus is associated with it. Yep. yep. Hebrews 725. Consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost mm. those who draw near to God through him since he always lives to make intercession for them. Mm. And we know based upon Hebrews 9, he's ascended and he he intercedes for us as the ascended.
1: One. Yeah, yeah.
0: We could talk about heavenly advocacy, and that overlaps that he's our advocate. Sure. First John chapter two, verse one. I want to talk more about that later. Uh, we could also say that you know what's also associated with the ascension is the anticipation of his return. Hmm, yeah, right, right. Yeah. Acts chapter one, uh, verses ten and eleven, and in the latter part of that, in verse eleven, it does say, "This Jesus who was taken up." From you into heaven, ascension, right. will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. So it mm-hmm. causes us to also not only to look to him as our advocate, but advocate, but it causes us to look to him as our returning, rescuing king. Yeah.
1: So a lot of things that the ascension is related to or has to do with, not just resurrection, but all these other things we've just mentioned here. So the question some might ask then is, okay, but... Is the ascension vital to the gospel? Ah, uh,
0: well, I think we could probably say it's it is it is vital to the gospel. Uh, mm. Of course, it is. But um, and maybe we should be more specific. It's it's vital to the gospel uh, according to the book of Hebrews because right, right. of his high priestly ministry. Yes, it yes. is the ascended Jesus who is interceding on our behalf as mediator, as our high priest. Uh, Hebrews chapter four, verse 14. Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens. Jesus, the son of God, let us hold fast to our confession. Hebrews nine twenty four. Uh, Christ has entered not into holy places made with hands, which are copies of true things, but into heaven itself. Hmm. Now to appear in the presence of God on our Behalf. Hmm. He, as the ascended one, represents us as our high priest. Uh, and we need the ascension to have that happen. Yeah. Richard Sipps
1: says uh, about this very thing. He was to ascend was that he might appear there in heaven for us as Hebrews nine eleven. When the high priest was to enter into the Holy of Holies, which was a type of heaven, he carried the names of the 12 tribes engraven in stone upon his breast. Christ, our true high priest, being entered into the Holy of Holies, carried the names of all his elect in his breast into heaven and there appeareth before God for us. He carrieth us in his heart.
0: That is Richard Sibbs for the win. Yeah. Right? As yeah. the high priest, our names written on his heart, he yep. brings us there and he brings us there as the ascended one. Yeah. We'll link to it in the show notes, but monergism.com has a great free resource on the ascension uh, by Richard Sibs. You'll find it encouraging. You'll find it uh, seeking to give assurance. Uh, we'll probably reference it a couple. Two or three more times. Yeah, for sure. It's wordy, though, let me tell you. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, John, the, I think John the Apostle would agree with the author of Hebrews uh, because uh, of what he says in 1 John chapter 2, verse 1, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. That advocate is the advocate who is in heaven as the ascended one, Jesus Christ the righteous. So we get our assurance. That, that, that's related to the gospel. Yeah, right. Yes. The, Jesus being our advocate it's related to the gospel for sure because it's talking about sin which leads to condemnation or it should because it does say if anyone sins uh, we have an advocate with with the father Jesus Christ the righteous so he he takes care of our sin problem as our advocate that is in fact related to the gospel. I like what Sibs has to say about this as well. I'll just paraphrase, but he gets at the idea that all Christians, given the fact that they have a conscience, uh, if they're honest, they're going to acknowledge that every day they sin and every day they're worthy of condemnation on their own. And so he, he points us to Christ, the ascended one, right? Every day, look to this, he says, look to this branch of this priestly office to the mediation of Christ, our ascended Savior. Hmm. That's definitely gospel esque, I would have to say. Yeah, for sure, most uh, certainly. Huh. Yeah. We could also say that it that the ascension is vital to the gospel because of the fact that Jesus, as we were talking about earlier, Jesus is the Christ. He is the Messiah. He is the king who reigns. And that actually is vital to the gospel. Now, again, that's why the Bible says Christ so many times. It's such an emphasis. Jesus is the Christ. You can't divorce that and say, well, he's the Christ, but that's not related to the gospel. No, he is the King. He's the Messiah. He's the Christ. And therefore he is able and willing to meet all of the needs of his people, including defeating all of our enemies, chiefly the great enemy uh, that we would say is death. Right, And so- and not only that, when we read the the Gospel accounts many times or numerous times, I should say it 's called the Gospel of the Kingdom, hmm. yeah, and yeah the Gospel of the Kingdom, and as we saw in episode one hundred and fifty three Kingdom and New creation are related they 're used interchangeably, and so the kingdom is the new creation, the ultimate Kingdom, if you will, because the ultimate King brings it about through his work. Well, the Gospel of the Kingdom is the good news about the kingdom that includes salvation, but right. it includes meeting every need his people would ever have right so matthew 4 says proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and for good reason it says and healing every disease and every affliction among the people because what is he doing he he's while on earth giving a preview of the power of his work, right? He, one day, that it won't just be a preview. He will cure all of our diseases forever. Right. But he's showing, he's showing his power. Matthew chapter 9, verse 35, proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, the good news of the kingdom. Matthew 24, 14, uh, gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed. And that's not some kind of weird separate from the gospel of, uh, of salvation. Mm, yeah. No, the gospel of the kingdom includes salvation. It includes everything. It includes justification, glorification, saying, sanctification it includes our healing it includes everything that is necessary for the king to give to his people Mm. to defeat all of their enemies to provide for all of their needs to deliver them gospel of the kingdom
1: yeah So super important, the ascension is. I mean, if we didn't have the ascension, then there would be no good news of the Messiah, the Christ, the king, right? Absolutely. Exalted, enthroned.
0: Yep. yep. And to clarify, he was all of those things while on earth. Right. But to go back to capture the big idea, it was always intended and always designed and irreversibly so, he was going to ascend. Right. And that's why Beale picks up on right, the word yeah, for yeah. nuance and says that it's escalating. All those things he already was mm-hmm. it's escalated mm-hmm. in the Ascension. That's it awesome. indeed is a gospel issue. Now don't be one of those grumpy, McGrumpyville <laughs> kind of people and say, well, you know, you didn't mention the Ascension. So it's not really the gospel. Right. Yeah, 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 Don't be yeah. that person yeah, right. because sometimes one is emphasized. One aspect is emphasized and, and others are not. We get it. Right. Yeah. But we probably need to, uh, make sure we t- we think about the Ascension more than we do. Yes, it is important. All right. For sure. So who, who affirms this, Mike? What, what kind of, people affirm the doctrine of the ascension of Christ? Well, I think
1: uh, everybody eventually will. One Ooh. day, everybody will affirm and acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord. Ain't we'd that write, the truth, Paul brother? Paul wrote, wrote in Philippians 2, 9 uh, and through uh-huh. 11 it says, therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. One day everyone will acknowledge and confess that Jesus Christ is king. Yeah, because sure. it is
0: it is an undeniable, undeniable. it's hard to say, but <laughs> <It's>, uh, <laughs> hard to deny, right. <laughs> an undeniable reality that he is in fact the Messiah. He is the right. king and everyone will acknowledge it. Um, regardless of whether they're believers or not, because it's universally true.
1: Right. And it's uh, also true that all Christians would acknowledge and affirm the ascension. Uh, thinking of an early creed, if you will, that we talked about last week, talking about the resurrection, but in First Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, it says, great indeed we confess. So here a confession, an agreement among all Christians, right, yep. uh, is the mystery of godliness. He was manifested in the flesh, vindicated by the spirit, seen by angels, proclaimed among. among. Among the nations believed on in the world, taken up. In glory. There so, it is. Ascended. Ascension right, right
0: there. All Christians from right. the very beginning have confessed to this reality. Yes. He was taken up in glory. Nicene Creed says he ascended to heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again with glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will never end. We could look at the Westminster Confession, which will affirm it. We could look at the second London Baptist Confession, which will also affirm it. These right. are basic things that Christians believe because it's so patently obvious. Love says in his book on the Ascension, which I really enjoyed, beloved, I know not any one point in all the Bible that is so proved and strengthened as Mm. Christ's personal and bodily going up to heaven. Mm. But with all that said, Mike, it does seem that in practice, when it comes to the doctrine of the Ascension or in emphasis, far too few Christians seem to emphasize it. Yeah. I sense. don't think it's emphasized
1: much at all. I've been sitting here thinking about did I even hear much about the Ascension over the years of my life and mm-hmm. I, I don't think I have. It's, I, have it's I heard it that. all the time
0: because I think we recited the Nicene Creed. Oh, did you? Okay. Maybe we should make creeds great again. Maybe or we should, something. Make, maybe we should or, make the Ascension great again. Okay. You can head over to our Pactum store on our website, and uh, we have Make make the Ascension Great Again red, Red silly-looking hats. (laughs) No, we don't. Actually, we don't. But, you know, it could be a thing. Somebody could be into it. You never know. mm. I think we've had
1: Make Whatever Great Again...
0: Several ideas here on the passion. It's true. It's Several. true. Yeah, I just don't like the style of the hat. I know. Well, <laughs> somebody would probably have to wear Oh, man. Uh, let's, let's talk about implications. Let's talk about benefits of sure, the doctrine yeah. of the ascension of Christ. And I think the obvious one would be that, that we can gain assurance. We yes. can have assurance of salvation. Right. Because of the ascended, resurrected Christ – who consequently he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him since he always lives to make intercession for them. Mm -hmm. I mean, that is assuring. If anything is assuring. Yeah, right. That is assuring. Right, most definitely. Beal from the Union with Christ book says, what is true of Christ in his end time resurrection and ascension is true of believers in their union with his resurrection. Hmm. So what's true of him is true of you. That is pretty amazing. Yes. Really amazing. Yes. Yeah. So.
1: Yeah. How about Sibs again on this? We must not think of the ascension of Christ as a severed thing from us, but if we would have the comfort of it, we must think of it as ourselves ascending with him. Think of Christ as a public person and surety for us, and then we shall have great comfort in that, that he saith, I ascend. That's that. Ooh, that is like that's that's, that's really
0: wonderful and remarkable. Yeah. Uh huh. Love calls Christ a harbinger, and I thought, what? What's a that? Harbinger. I looked it up, and it was some comic comic thing. So, oh, really? Anyhow, huh. forerunner, forerunner, okay. the one who goes before us. Right? He leads. Yes. Um, he actually says he goes there to take up room for you hmm. in heaven. Hmm. So think about that. The Lord Jesus Christ ascends, and He ascends uh, as the God Man, and He ascends on our behalf to lead the way. Uh, when He ascended, He ascends for us. It really, is awesome. Yeah, hmm. uh, and so it causes us to want to worship, which right. would be the right expression. It would be the right response. Yes. It's what happened in Luke chapter twenty-four, in verse fifty-two. They worshipped Him uh, when they saw Him ascend. They blessed God as a result of Him ascending. Right. They, they responded the right way, and really that would be the right response. Sure, yeah. It also helps us when it comes to implications. It helps us to understand that there is this important biblical reality that we call already and not yet. Hmm. He has ascended. He is ruling and reigning, uh, but not every tongue has confessed it. Right, yes. Yeah. But yeah. every tongue will confess one day. And remember also with the ascension, as you saw him leave, he'll, he will return. We've already talked about that. And so we have to remember that we would say his kingdom has been inaugurated, but we're waiting for it to be consummated. Uh, we're not just playing word games and we say things like that as theologians. We say these things because of the biblical data. And so, yes, ascended, yes, ruling and reigning, king of kings and lord of lords. Not everyone sees it, but every, everyone will one day. We have an already not yet explanation of, of such things. Yeah.
1: Hmm. No. Related to worship, I think about being motivated for godly living Mm -hmm, uh, mm as worship is our response, being motivated out of of understanding the ascension, the ruling reigning Christ for us uh, to motivate us for godly living. Think of Colossians chapter three, verse one. If then you have been raised with Christ and all Christians have been uh, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. So motivating us in godly living. Yep,
0: yep. And, and even the text, that, so that should motivate us. We're f- fixing our eyes on him. Uh, we actually ultimately belong there, so let's live like it. It even reminds me of the fact that I, I want to mope and and, hmm. and have a bad attitude and grumble and complain. Uh, but back to that Luke 24 passage, uh, they had great joy. Sure, yeah. So And it wasn't because their lives were perfect. After right, all, they exactly. didn't even have penicillin. Right? Hey. <laughs> <laughs> People say they want to go back to Bible times. I don't really want to go back to Bible <laughs> times for maybe a lot of reasons. Right. But right. I, I understand why people say that. Yeah, for sure. So motivation for godly living also shows up and it's tied to the ascension in Hebrews chapter four, verse fourteen. Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, think ascension. Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. So uh, listeners think in terms of persecution and suffering and difficulty and maybe being ostracized from your family or something like that because of your commitment to Jesus. And and so he says, hold fast, right? This is a call to persevere. Well, it's tied to the fact that our our great savior is greater than any king. He's greater than any so-called one in the line of David. He is the ultimate Messiah and he has passed through the heavens on our behalf. Verse 15 says of Hebrews chapter four, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. Mm. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need or time of trouble. Hmm. It's good. Yep. yep. So it motivates us to persevere, fix our eyes on him. Not only that, we because of the ascension, ha- have been given gifts. So the church has been given uh, gifted ones, if you will. He gave the apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, sure. and teachers sure. yeah. to yeah. equip the saints for the work of ministry. So ministerial gifts come as a result of the ascension um, for the building up of the body of Christ because it does say in Ephesians 4, I was just reading from 11 and 12, but in verse 10 it says, he who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens. So there's that also. Mm. Absolutely. So why
1: haven't I heard more about this? Why haven't I heard more about the ascension? I mean, it's
0: I am wondering the same kinds of things. Where has the ascension been in my life? Thankfully, even though we haven't heard a lot about it, we haven't been that aware. Sure, yeah, yeah. Thankfully, it's been true. It's been true this whole time. Uh, Uh-huh. Always well, answer. let's at least begin by answering that question. Why haven't we heard more about it? And certainly some of you listeners are thinking of the same thing. Uh, for some people, they just don't like the doctrine of assurance. Hmm, and that's yeah. a reoccurring theme on the pactum. Yeah, yeah. If it's, you don't like assurance, you're probably not going to emphasize uh, ascension. Right, yeah. Right? right? Ephesians two six raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus— yeah. I mean, it's, it's all settled because we're, we're there with him raised. It's already a done deal. We're not waiting for our good works to outweigh our bad works right. or maybe yep. give more yep. money to more charities or blah, 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 <laughs> right. blah. We are already raised if we're trusting in Christ. We're already seated in the heavenly places because of our great harbinger. Mm.
1: Harbinger, <laughs> yes.
0: <laughs> and 1 John 2, 1, which we talk a lot about on the pact. And we right. have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. And so, and and he's the ascended advocate. Yeah. So that yeah. might be one reason why we don't emphasize it a lot. We don't want people to be too sure. Yeah. Right. But We'd never fact, want that. But in fact, we actually do as Christians. Yes. It's a great blessing, and we're not Roman Catholic, so we think it's a blessing and not something to be anathematized. Right. Yeah. So, there is that part, but another one, and oh boy, Mike we're Buckle gonna, up. here this is we 're going to talk a little bit about controversy, okay, another reason why, and I think it 's a big reason why we have not heard more about the ascension in evangelicalism uh, would be be because dispensationalism is threatened by the reality of the ascension of Christ. The way we've been speaking about it, mm, sure, and yep. we have dispensational listeners, and we think they are wonderful listeners. Yep, yep. And uh, may the Lord bless you. <laughs> but traditionally, and so some of our listeners are not traditional dispensationalists. Right. Some, yes. some might yeah. be, but traditionally, dispensationalists have sought and fought to keep Jesus off of David's throne. Hmm. Uh, they don't want David on the throne, or excuse me, they don't want Jesus on David's throne on the ultimate messianic throne until the millennium. Right, yes. And so it's kind of baked in the cake. Yeah. Uh, to, right. to If you're a traditional dispensationalist, you're not going to emphasize the ascension according to Acts chapter 2 because according to Acts chapter 2, even according to <laughs> David from Psalm 110, right. uh, Jesus is the one who ascended. And yep. Jesus is the one who is seated. Even David himself, under inspiration, according to Mark's gospel account, has this to be true. So it is a threat. Um, And so I think that might be one reason why. And again, I'm thankful that there are dispensationalists who uh, don't believe the traditional way, but... Just so you're aware, that might be one reason why. Yeah, yeah. And you think of the popularity of Tim LaHaye and Left Behind and all of that. And so dispensationalism really is popular. It's kind of default go-to. If you don't know what a dispensationalist is, it's someone who um, believes in a coming millennial kingdom, a thousand-year kingdom where Jesus will be in the Middle East, in Jerusalem. And there he will sit on an actual throne, the throne of David, and rule and reign for a thousand years perfectly. Well, it must not be perfect as an aside because there'll be a great rebellion at the end. Right, so right. anyway, I digress. I show my cards. I'm not a dispensationalist. Um, and so it, it, it's not really a, a great fit with dispensationalism. Right. So, yeah. So, and, and all dispensationalists, even if you're not the, the traditional kind, um, all dispensationalists think that Jesus will reign in Jerusalem for a thousand years in order to fulfill Messianic prophecy. Mm, yeah, And yet, uh, I would like to say, what if Acts 1 and 2 teaches that the Messianic promise for Jesus to be enthroned, reigning as Christ, Messiah, King, finds fulfillment in the ascension? Hmm. And I think it actually does find fulfillment in the ascension. And now we're waiting for his second coming and return because he right now most certainly is seated and is ruling and reigning from the messianic throne because he is the Christ, the Christ, the Christ, the Christ. It is why the Bible emphasizes it so many times. It's not his last name. It's. He's the Messiah, the Messiah, yes. the Messiah, the Messiah. He is the king, the king, the king. And so it doesn't make any sense for him to be the king of kings and lord of lords, um, but he doesn't rule and reign. Right, yeah. Uh, he actually does rule and reign. Yeah. And so Peter's sermon in Acts chapter 2, I think, eliminates any doubts about this. It connects the dots where he says um, all of these things. But one objection from dispensationalists, Mike, that we might want to entertain for a moment would be uh, in Acts chapter one, verse six. Mm, yeah. So it says in Acts one, six. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Hmm. And so they're, they're asking that question. And oftentimes dispensationalists, I used to be one. Uh, and I would say, notice Jesus, Jesus doesn't correct them. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. And so they're thinking the right way. Well, let's keep reading. He said to them, it is not for you to know, no times or seasons that the father has fixed by his own authority. Then it says in verse eight, but you will receive power when the Holy spirit has come upon you. Uh, ho, oh, oh. Right, right. see that, that is actually an eschatological promise based upon yes. Joel, based upon Isaiah, based upon what Peter does in Acts chapter two, right. because it's outpoured. And so uh, ho, ho, yeah. this is, this is good. <laughs> this is important, yep. but by way of contrast, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, not in the millennial kingdom. Uh, actually that this is a, a reality that you're going to experience real soon. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. You know, what you're looking for is too myopic mm, what yeah, you're looking yeah. for to be localized in Jerusalem in Israel and defeat and see the defeat of the Romans. No, it's the kingdom we're talking about is far greater and Mm, far more expansive and far more extensive than one that would be limited here. And then it says, and when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. Mm. Verse nine is actually really important because what's happened there. We know based upon the bigger context of acts one and two, what happens when he's lifted up and uh, and a cloud has taken him out of their sight yeah he's ascended, ascended. yeah he's... and <laughs> guess where he ascended to not not just from earth to heaven the ascension is him ascending to the throne yeah yeah and so, Jesus answers not with sitting on a throne in Jerusalem and over a localized reason. Jesus, region. Jesus answers by ascending to the throne in heaven where he is seated above all rule and authority and where he is Christ. Think Messiah over all. What they thought of as localized was far greater than what they were thinking. Hmm. It reminds me of Paul because he got the same memo. <laughs> uh, in Romans chapter 4, Abraham is not just the heir of a localized plot of yeah. Yeah, in the right. middle east yeah. in romans chapter four it's the whole world yes right and so th- that's actually a really big deal hmm. and and for me that's part of the undoing of dispensationalism hmm. uh, acts chapter two is just like the book of hebrews kind of did me in you have to have uh, the ultimate high priest who's right. jesus we don't ever need high priests again we never need priests again we never need Animal sacrifices, again, not to mention that make atonement for sin. Um, No, Jesus is the fulfillment. Well, guess what? In Acts chapter 2, the ascension is the ascension, and he's ruling and reigning now.
1: Hmm.
0: Wow, that's good. So what happens then? Should we downplay the ascension? What happens when we downplay it? What ends up happening is we fail to see Jesus for who he rightfully is, right? Right. The installed, not someday to be installed, the installed and reigning king of kings. Not only that, then saints are robbed of assurance, which we've been talking about. Mm. Not only that, we end up having an underrealized view of the end times, right? We have an underrealized eschatology. Uh, we're not waiting for him to be seated; he is seated. We're not right. waiting for him to be king of kings and lord of lords; he is. He's not. We're not waiting for him to be. I mean, if you think about it, Messiah. He is the Messiah. Right. He yeah, is yeah, yeah. Jesus. Christ, the righteous, he's ruling and reigning. How about this, Mike? Just ask David. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Right. David knows. Yeah. David knows exactly what's happening. Yeah. Another side of it would be uh, you not only may have an underrealized eschatology, which I think dispensationalists do, mm-hmm. uh, you might on the opposite extreme have an overrealized mm. eschatology. Mm. So in the book of Acts, we do have in at chapter one, at the end there of that portion in verse 11, it says, this Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Hmm. So you we are waiting for the second coming. Right, yes. Yeah, yeah. And so we don't think the second coming's already happened. So you know, this this helps us. And in other words, an overrealized eschatology would be to have Jesus here bodily now right yes he's not bodily here now we're longing for the day we're anticipating the day we're eating and drinking in remembrance of him do this until i come again right. my, my yes. paraphrase yes. Yeah, from 1st yeah. corinthians chapter 11 um he's not here but we're longing for his return we're waiting for his return uh and so Ascension helps us to, to kind of keep things in their place. So even, even when it comes to things like Roman Catholic transubstantiation sure, yeah. and somehow the, the bread and wine turn into the body and blood of Jesus, right? Yeah. no Jesus, the body of Christ, his physical body is now in heaven, right? Love does a good job with this in his book, uh, on this, that that's a form of an over realized kind of eschatology net, not to mention other problems. Right. Yeah. So he, we're waiting for him to come back. Yeah.
1: Well, let's wrap out the episode wrap out let's, let's wrap up we, we can wrap out we wrap could up. wrap we it could up with a wrap, but I can't do that let's wrap up the episode with some recommended resources we've mentioned several resources to you throughout the episode but we'll list these here and then we'll also put them in the show notes for you what are some resources we recommend
0: let's let's do Burkhoff again as per so, usual yeah yes. Lewis Burkhoff would be good to check out uh, Christopher love in his book I love ah, <laughs> that's <laughs> a dad joke uh, it's called the Saints Advantage by Christ's Ascension and Coming Again from Heaven. Mm. That's pretty puritanical. So <laughs> That's
1: not a newer title.
0: <laughs> it's a thin little hardback, uh, easy to read, and uh, I think it's quite helpful. And there are other chapters that talk about things like, what about Old Testament saints, which we've not talked about mm. in our yeah. episode, but he actually goes there and... Mm. and uh, I think it's a great little volume. So also Beal, Union with the Resurrected Christ. We mentioned it last time. We'll put it in the show notes. We'll also put a link to the critique of that book, which makes that book even better. The critique by Harrison Perkins. Derek Thomas has a book called Taken Up to Heaven, subtitled The Ascension of Christ, Little Hard to Find. Legan Duncan writes the foreword, which I thought was also very edifying. Richard Sibbs on Monergism.com. Patrick Schreiner also has a book called The Ascension of Christ, Recovering a Neglected Doctrine. I read that when I was preaching through the book of Acts. It's been a little while, but I thought it was insightful and helpful trying to make Ascension great again.
1: Yeah, for sure. Well, we want to thank you for being a part of the Pactum Verse and listening in today. You can find us on x at the Pactum, Instagram at the Pactum Theology. You can email us, connect at thepactum.org. And always, you can go to our website, thepactum.org. You can find our store there, which does not have Make Ascension Great Again hats, but we do have some hats. We have shirts. We have coffee. We have all sorts of fun types of things. So we'd encourage you to go check that out. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week on the Pactum. (laughs)